lawyer Nick Giannuzzi has joined forces with Rx Bar founder Peter Rael and Andrew Abraham, founder of Orgain, to launch Humble Growth, a New York-based private equity fund that aims to revolutionize the conventional PE model. The trio has built and scaled their own standout brands and understand the ongoing challenges founders face in today's environment. It's this distinctive CPG expertise and value they are bringing to the table to propel innovative consumer brands to new heights. The firm has secured over $312 million to date, backed by an impressive roster of investors from legacy industry players like Nestle Health Science, Verlinvest, the global investors in Tony's Chocoloni and Oatly, and Gary Hirschberg, founder of Stonyfield Farm, among others. Bakery and Snacks chatted to Nick to find out more about humble growth and its deep-seated ethos to be meaningful and impactful in the CPG industry, both today and into the future. Thank you so much indeed for joining me today. Firstly, tell me about Humble Growth. Okay. Um, well, Humble Growth is a new uh, private equity growth fund. Um, as of a week ago, we've raised a total of $312 million um, as a first-time fund. Uh, I am one of the three partners in the fund. My two partners are Andrew Abraham, the founder of Orgain, and Peter Rahal, the founder of RX Bar. Um, the three of us um, came together about two years ago with an idea and a concept that we thought was quite different and transformative in our industry. Um, my history is as a lawyer really since 1999, dedicated exclusively, exclusively to consumer goods. Uh, right. my, first, my first client in 1999 had five or six employees and was doing a couple hundred thousand dollars in revenue uh, and sold a product called Root Water. And a couple of weeks or months later, after I started working for them as a lawyer, they said, gee, Fruit Water's not working. Let's put vitamins in it and call it vitamin water. And mm -hmm. and from there, from 1999 to 2007, the company went from a couple hundred thousand in revenue to uh, 670 million in revenue in um, 2007 when we sold to Coca-Cola for over four billion dollars. Uh, wow. With that with that experience, I suddenly became the vitamin water lawyer, and mm -hmm. I and I um, started a law firm where it was dedicated exclusively to these new startup founders in food, beverage, beauty, supplements, uh, pet food, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and I've spent my entire career as a lawyer serving these founders. Um, today, my law firm, which is called Giannuzzi Lewenden, has well over a thousand brands. We have almost 25 lawyers. And today the law firm remains dedicated to serving founders in the consumer space. Okay. Um, and, and the origin of Humble actually comes from my experiences as uh, serving these founders, because in order for consumer brands to grow, often they need to raise money. 
Uh, and so these founders and management teams, they go out into the market and they look to raise money so that they can expand into Walmart or Costco or start another uh, line of products or increase their marketing or whatever they need to do in order to be competitive. You know, often you know the money's raised to build an, a bigger team. And having done thousands of these deals, always for the founders as they raise money, my what I saw over and over again was that um, it was very rare that in addition to money, the founders also also found a, gr- a great deal of help because usually the investors were investor people. You know, they were people with MBAs and super smart and often quite nice, but they had never worn the hat of the founder. They had never been through the process of building a company. Mm-hmm. And and so a number of years ago, what we started thinking about was what if instead of just raising money from pension funds and so on and, and being a super smart MBA person, what if instead we built a fund that was all um, funded by and partnered with the founders, the people in the industry who had had success and failures and who pooled all their money together and said, you know what, not only are we going to give money, but we're also going to help. And so Humble, we actually have over 100 LPs of the industry who's who, people who were founders and, and CFOs and CMOs and operating people and marketing people, um, uh, people who are distributors, people who are suppliers, uh, on and on and on. We pooled all these people together. They were the people I had met over my many years of serving uh, as the lawyer for many of them. Um, right. and, and so that's really what made Humble, the idea of Humble, different to me. Now, when we go to a founder, and we say, listen, we humble would like to not only give you money, but in addition to Peter, Andrew, myself, and the team we've hired, we have 100 LPs that are willing to help roll up their sleeves and help you get a better result, help you avoid mistakes, help you accelerate your brand, and hopefully through their know-how and all of our L- you know, LPs know-how, ho- hopefully bring you to a better result. And that was really the intent of humble growth. Right. So you've obviously trying to change the face of the conventional PE model. Is that correct? Yeah. And I don't want to overstate it because I do think that there are some funds out there that certainly have know-how and, you know, have their sort of bag of tricks. But I think that never before has something like this been done where you really compile a broad range of all these different experience in beauty, in food, in supplements, in beverage, and pool that know-how to provide sort of this juggernaut of energy and experience and so on. Uh, And so, yes, we thought that this done right could be transformative and could offer the founders out there a, a new and hopefully better alternative when they look for growth capital. Okay, excellent. You've managed to secure over $312 million to date. Where did this come from? Oh, well, so so that's the fun part. Um, the fun part is that the vast majority of that money 
came from these industry people. So right. when we when we reached out to them and said, listen, you know, we would love for you to invest. More importantly, we want your help. People said, you know, I get it. If we all lock arms, all these industry people, and we all work together to get a better result, I may actually get a great return on my money. And so we made we had our first closing for the fund, our, our first fundraising closing last year in September, September 7th of 2022. And at that time, we closed on $220 million. And I affectionately and jokingly refer to that as a friends and family raise because pretty much all that money were industry friends, some family, uh, and both uh, Peter, Andrew, and myself, uh, we all wrote very meaningful checks into that. Um, Then after that time, we then continued to raise money. uh, And that's uh, as of a few weeks ago, we ended up at the $312 million mark. Okay. Can you mention some of the investors? Um, sure. Well, mm-hmm. in addition to the three of us, um, Gary Hirschberg, who is the founder of Stonyfield Yogurt, um, and uh, really a absolute titan and legend in our industry, uh, Gary, in addition of building Stonyfield and selling it to Danone and having a very long relationship with Danone after that, has helped the careers and lives of many, many founders. He has his own sort of institute where um, he does uh, an annual uh, meeting where young brands are able to um, present themselves and introduce themselves to um, uh, investors and uh other people that can help them grow. Uh, and Gary is like a, you know, a perfect example. He's very involved and we're very grateful to him. Uh, Mike Napoli, who I met uh, t- over 20 years ago um, at Vitamin Water. Uh, Mike was one of the two founders of, of uh, Glasso, which was the owner of Vitamin Water and Smart Water. And I continued to work as his attorney and, 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 and be his friend for many years. He then, um, um, bought and grew uh, Pirate's Booty and sold that. And then mm-hmm. more recently, his biggest accomplishment, uh, at least you know from a monetary perspective, was he then grew Body Armor and uh, we had a combined uh, exit of, uh, of an enterprise value of $8 billion to Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola's largest um, acquisition. And so uh, Mike is also involved. He's an investor in the fund and um, a great mentor to me personally um, and a good and a really good part of it. And, you know, and then the the list goes on and on uh, there. Okay. Yeah, I, right. I should also I should also mention that uh, Verlinvest, um, which I don't know if you know much about Verlinvest, but um, Verlinvest has been an investor in the space. Um, and for many, many years, investing in various beverages, um, they are uh, historically having had written smaller checks, but due to their great success, uh, they are now writing larger checks. And they thought that a relationship with Humble would be great as we will be writing basically checks from 10 to 40 million dollars, which is a little smaller than than they would want to participate in. And right. so due, due to a long relationship that I've had with them, um, we were able to uh, arrange a relationship where they were attracted to making an investment as well. In addition, uh, Nestle Health Sciences is an investor in the fund. 
um, and uh, is a tremendous resource uh, and friend to the fund. Yeah, I... Okay. Are you looking to increase this fund? So um, we the reason we're uh, having the wonderful conversation with you today is because uh, we have now closed the fund. We will no mm -hmm. longer um, be raising any more money. And in fact, we were not allowed uh, to have interviews like this until we actually had completed the, the fundraising. Um, right. So, yes, we will not be raising any more money. We have a lot of work, a lot of wood to chop now, now that we've um, pulled this mm -hmm. together and we've built a tremendous team um, here uh, within Humble Growth. Now our job is to um, find great opportunities uh, and deploy the money of our LPs and, and hopefully make them a bunch of money and help a lot of founders. Where is the fund present? And so, where will it, it in, is it global? So our focus is the U.S. Um, okay. Our focus is the U.S. because that's really our, our expertise. Um, our We are allowed to invest more globally, and I think a certain percentage uh, of the fund will be in, in companies that are perhaps more broad than only the U.S., but our office is here in New York, um, and uh, that's where our team, most of our team anyway, resides. And we'll really be focusing on the U.S. market and then sort of adjacencies, uh, but we don't rule out the possibility of uh, something more global. Okay. You mentioned some of the industries, but can you tell me a little bit more about which kind of industries uh, the fund will invest in? Yes, absolutely. So, um, as um, my two partners, uh, Peter Rahal with RX Bar uh, and Andrew Abraham with his company, Orgain, uh, and my experience over the many years, we've really worked in, um, well, we've worked in consumer generally, but what we're really looking for is innovation. And mm -hmm. often it's innovation related to health, wellness, longevity, and so on. And so the beauty of sort of the, the consumer industry in, in food, beverage, beauty, all these areas, it has been over the last 20 years and my, during my career, certainly a evolution to healthy, better for you. Um, and that is where my two partners Excel. That's where most of our LPs uh, made uh, their money and had their successes in uh, either evolutionarily or revolutionarily better products. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's really where the fund's going to focus. Um, in terms of market segments specifically, um, you know, we're we're always very interested in the beverage sector. Many of our LPs uh, were in the beverage area. Uh, that area continues to result in interesting new and more healthy and, and better products as as the new generations demand more interesting products that fit their lifestyle. Um, we're sensitive to packaging and to um, things that will uh, hopefully over time improve our environment. Um, and so we're we're sensitive to finding products that are not just you know good for internally but but also for the world. Um, so beverage is an area, all cross food 
Uh, we've seen incredible changes in food over the last 20 years as we address individual people's uh, health needs, as well as um, in just general improvement to nutrition, uh, positioning of products. Um, That's right. And supplements is, I think, uh, something that is uh, obviously had massive growth. Um, uh, Orgain is a, a really interesting um, group of products, which are, I think are uh, a huge evolution in terms of people eating better and um, uh, finding ways to create sort of imp and improve longevity. So that's another area that we're really interested in. And then mm -hmm. be beauty and personal care uh, is really exciting. We, um, we, we, there's the changes in beauty have, have been incredible, even over the last 10 years. Uh, and, and pet, you know, every day we're seeing interesting things with pets. You know, pet pet is a little bit less regulated, of course, and and so um, there's uh, products that are coming out often that start with pets, and and then over time can even end up with with uh, with human beings after proper testing. So all, all across the board, we see this constant uh, uh, improvement in products. We see the evolution of eating better, living healthier, um, and we just want to be part of that. Excellent. I was going to ask you, just slightly changing track there, um, what, in your opinion, is the current state of the CPG industry? Um, that's a great question. So, first of all, I never would have made it through 20 years of, of lawyering if I was not a glasses half full person. Um, right. I am an eternal optimist, but, but, I, but I think even to any standard, um, optimist or pessimist, the, the industry, I think, is thriving. It is thriving because of the strength of the young entrepreneur. Uh, right. Every single day, my law firm, you know, we see, we see new products being launched. We see um, uh, people coming out of college that had a college thesis uh, about how they can improve people's lives. And it, and it keeps happening. Uh, it happened 20 years ago at a certain pace, and the pace now is stronger and better than ever before. Um, I think that uh, there's new levers that didn't exist before. Obviously, what's happened with social media, uh, the ability to accelerate a brand, the ability to reach the population, those are things that are are making the, the industry stronger. And when I say the industry, I mean the independent companies, the startups, the, the, new, the new concepts that are coming in, not from big food, but from the, the consumer who has a, a child with a certain problem or who mm -hmm. wants to find a healthier way, a, a, a better beverage that, that can be enjoyed more with lower calories or whatever it is, that continues to impress me. And um, you know, we saw through COVID the resiliency of the whole consumer uh, area, uh, big food and, and the other big companies, the beauty companies, so they're going to continue to to acquire these brands because these brands are innovative and right. they can they can get to market in a short period of time, whereas the really big companies they are laden down with their own internal requirements and approvals and processes. So, and 
you know, when you speak to the the acquisition companies, which you know I've sold my law firm and and myself, we've sold um, these brands to every company that exists, every strategic that exists. And at the end of the day, we'll go out for drinks and and talk to the man to the acquisition team, and they'll say, "Look, I have the best job ever because." my company X isn't really capable of innovating. So we will continue to acquire. So there's been a lull in the market in terms of acquisitions. It's it's certainly been an interesting economy, you know, the last 12, 18 months. But I mm-hmm. expect that I expect the acquirers to come back strong. I expect the innovation to remain constant, if not accelerated. I just think it's a great place to be sitting right now. Excellent. Um what stage of a company or brand's life cycle will the fund invest in? And what are the key business attributes that you will be looking for? Thank you. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. So generally, our fund is designed to write checks between 10 and 40 million dollars. Right. Um, and um, usually we will want to see companies doing 20 million in revenue or more. Um, but I should explain why, because I think it's really important. Um, when when brands are launched, mm. they're all a good idea, or they're all a bad idea, depending on you know your perspective and and how how you look at the world. But what happens is these brands start. And almost without fail, they're able to raise some money and they're able to get into market. Um, And what happens over time as they continue to grow the brand is they get into enough accounts so that you can get meaningful data on how the brand is performing. And the difficulty with investing in an early brand doing a million, two million, three million dollars in revenue is that even though the founder might seem outstanding, even though the product product or the packaging might seem on point, ultimately the consumer speaks. And until you have the feedback from the consumer as to really what what will resonate with them and what will not, it's really hard to be an investor. We joke that when you write those early checks, um, it's a little bit like going to Vegas and betting on red or black or 22 Mm -hmm. or 34. You, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It's really hard because there's a hundred things that can go wrong. And even though you think you because of your biases and your prejudices, you think that product is perfect. At the end of the day, you have to let the consumer speak. And so our fund is founder oriented. We have all these wonderful LPs who've, who've built businesses for real, rolling up their sleeves, building companies and selling them. But at the end of the day, our investment decisions are based on data. So we we are trying to create that perfect marriage between the enthusiasm of all of us loving every brand we see and falling in love with every founder that we meet and then really making sure there's enough data out there so that we can get comfortable that the velocity is there, that this that the size of market is there, um, that we could see that, hey, this company isn't just doing well in a certain retailer or a certain channel, but we have some real conviction that that can go to addition, additional retailers. It can go from natural, perhaps, to, to mass. It can go to 
um, to convenience store or what have you. We can build we can build this brand uh, online, even though it doesn't have a strong online presence. And in order for us to make really informed decisions, we need data. And so generally, our rule is that we'd like to see the brand doing you know 20 million or more mm-hmm. because at that point you can start making really good decisions the other part of our process is we we are trying to stand for something we have told every founder that we've met with we will only invest if we are convinced that we can do 7 10 15 things for you that will help accelerate your success um, right. if all, if all you need is money that's fantastic but then you don't need the additional know-how that we believe we can bring to bear. Uh, mm-hmm. What we want is we want that marriage of someone who needs the money um, and um, will also uh, benefit from this massive combined knowledge of, of all of our LPs. And then finally, the the last you know the last part of it is because of our origins, because the money that the vast majority of the money that we're deploying comes from founders. We are backing founders. We really want to make sure that we empower that founder. We're not looking for a massive number of rights so we can control the founder. Instead, we want to invest in people that understand what we're offering, believe that we can offer real value, and we will get our power from having really good advice. Not making them listen to it, but but, but having a founder who's a good listener who will process that information from people who've done things before and hopefully benefit from it. Excellent. What role will you play in the relationship during and after the transaction? Um, and when you say what role will I play, you mean humble? Well, then humble. humble, yes, that's right. Yeah, we, we are really, really rolling up our sleeves. So, um, you know, during the process, we, of course, have to go through our due diligence and we reach out to our LPs to help us do that. And we do a normal diligence process, which can take a bit of time. And um, but we make sure and, and, and that due diligence process not only helps us make our decision to invest, but it also always results in really meaningful information that we then share with the founder and the management team to help improve them. We may find problems with their claims or their positioning. We may test their product and make sure that it truly meets the specifications that that they portray. And then once we're in there, it's um, it's as we want to be as helpful as possible. It certainly means, you know, being on a, a call with the team, uh, you know, literally as often as we want, including every day. Uh, and okay. and because we have this group of 100 plus people that are willing to help, we can put together a team, sort of a humble team of LPs who can be on speed dial for all of these um, founders and management teams. So so we, we're very, very hands on. Um, mm-hmm. And um, we hope we, you know, we and we would only invest in, in a group that would would like that, that wants our presence again. We don't want to control. Right. We don't need a lot of rights, but we want to be super helpful uh, and to the process of, of growth. Have you made any investments as yet? We have. We've we've made three investments that are as of yet unannounced. Um, okay. we're, keep, we're keeping that close to our vest right now. Right. But um, we've um, 
deployed a little bit over $40 million with another 270 or so to go. So we're really just starting out on the journey uh, and um, very excited about continuing to find uh, great uh, founders and management teams out there to partner with. Wonderful. Please, can you tell me more about yourself and the other two founders? Um, I I told you a little bit about myself. I'm sort of the boring lawyer in the group. Um, (laughs) You know, it's been a wonderful career, uh, better than I ever could have expected. Um, You know, I have great partners at the law firm who've now taken over the law firm. My partner, Ryan Wenden, uh, is leading the charge uh, for the law firm. So I've been able to really pull back uh, from the law firm virtually completely. I like to think of myself as more of the chairman and and no mm-hmm. longer the CEO. Uh, Andrew and Peter are two absolutely outstanding people. Um, Andrew's story is is incredible. Um, he uh, he started Orgain uh, because of um, I think he was 16 years old and he had cancer. Uh, and was in a hospital for a number of months and went through chemo and radiation and surgery. And um, it, thank God he survived, but it led to him a, life, a lifetime journey about nutrition and health. Um, he's, a, he's a voracious reader of everything health-related and nutrition-oriented. Um, and he, he uh, went to college, he went to medical school, he did his residency in New York, in New York City, uh, and went to join his father's medical practice. And instead of rolling up his sleeves and building a career as a doctor, which he would have been absolutely outstanding at, he started mixing up um, some organ in his sink, uh, in his in his kitchen. When uh, I think in like 2008, 2009, I met him at I met him at a trade show when he was just launching his product. And um, today, uh, Orgain is a just gigantic company. Um, or, uh, Nestle purchased 51% of uh, Orgain last year, and they'll be purchasing the rest of the business next year. Uh, and so Andrew's just a tremendous uh, founder. He's a, a poster child for, to me, everything that's good in this industry. And then Peter Rahal is just a completely different but truly amazing story. He and um, his childhood best friend, Jared, they had an idea to um, start RX Bar. Uh, I think they were 24 years old. They built the business for five years. Uh, it's well publicized that he sold. they sold the business for $600 million to Kellogg. Um, mm-hmm. And just, you know, these I, – I get – I really um, – to be uh, having the career that I had um, to be around these two amazing people that have completely different experiences than I did. I learn from them both every single day um, and just I find it exhilarating um, to be part of a team with both of them. Fantastic. Now, you say you're based in uh, New York. Tell me about the team that is um, you you building up with um, within humble growth. Yeah. So, look, we're nobody's fools. We we come back from these certain backgrounds. And and I think uh, we all add a lot to what you need to be successful in this industry. But as I talked about earlier about the data and truly understanding the industry from a technical perspective, we only add part of the solution. The right. other part of the solution is getting people who have done this for their careers 
who have come out of great organizations, um, who have been professional investors for their career. And so we we uh, made sure that we thought about which funds we thought were the best and the most successful and trained the best people. And we've been building a team here. We've hired, uh, I think, um, five people so far to our investment team. Okay. Um, and we're still kind of rounding it all into place. Um, but um, just, you know, you know, and and the funny thing is, even though sort of we're the partners and, you know, we pulled this together, we rely on them in a huge way, you know, to keep us honest. When we fall in love with the brand, when we fall in love with the founder, um, their combined expertise and experience is crucial to marry data and, and um, you know, having uh, done this for a career, pattern recognition as to what brands ultimately emerge and sell. And so it's a, it's a real uh, collaborative effort uh, on behalf of the entire team. Excellent. So what is your long-term vision and where do you see humble growth in, say, 10 years from now? Yeah, I, the, we, we would not have done this, you know, like everybody does everything for the money. So I'm not going to say we, we didn't do it, so we, we don't do well financially. But we did this because we think we've built a different mousetrap. And right. I, th- I think there's a long-term place in our industry for for what we're building. And so I hope that, you know, 10 years from now, Humble will have invested in, I don't know, 50 different companies, 100 different companies that we will have done um, multiple funds, mm-hmm. uh, always with the same attitude that we are going to wingman you, we're going to be the partner of these founders and management teams, and we're gonna try to help accelerate your success. Um, We believe like in the, you know, the whole idea of being on the same side of the table as opposed to across the table from the companies that that we invest in. And so um, I hope that my legacy is that I was part of the team that launched um, a fund that is um, meaningful and helpful uh, to the to the infrastructure and the ecosystem of this industry that has been so incredibly good to me and my family. Wow. Um, that's that's really that's really truly the objective. Excellent. Are you open to brands or entrepreneurs getting in touch with you if they're interested in work, um, setting up a relationship with you? Or is it the other way around in terms of that you will approach them? I, you know, it's it's a great question. Um, I, I built my career in 2008. I didn't have any clients and I didn't have any money. Uh, and I was pretty freaking desperate. And I went around to the trade shows and I tried to meet young brands. Right. And uh, back then I made a rule that I would take every call. Um, and and by taking every call, you know, a lot of them end up being favors. Um, but if you do enough favors, um, things always come back uh, mm-hmm. to you. And so our view in terms of that is we want to meet everybody. Now, you know, if we get 100 calls in a day, you know, it, it, it might be tough, but but we want to meet young brands. Um, right. we, we're not going to invest in a brand that launched, you know, last week or, or even maybe last year. But if we're going to be here uh, 10 years and you're going to introduce me ten, and interview me 10 years from now and say, hey, Nick, you told me 10 years ago you wanted <laughs> to be you wanted to be meaningful and impactful in this industry. 
the way to start is to meet those young brands today. And and right. maybe maybe we're not a fit for two years or four years or six years, but we have every intention of being here with the same hat on. And so our position is if we can introduce you to somebody, if we can open a door, if we can be a friend, that's makes you a decent human being. And it's also how you build a business. So it's the right thing to do. It's completely self-serving and we want to meet everybody. So when they reach out, we'll we'll try to be really responsive and we'll try to be a friend. That's excellent. Is there anything more that you'd like to add that we haven't covered? I think it was they were wonderful questions. You've challenged oh, me. I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate being challenged. Um, no, no I, I just want to thank you. It's it's um, really kind of you to take the time to to chat with me. And um, maybe the maybe the maybe the last thing to say is the, the reason we picked the name Humble. Um, yes. We picked the name Humble because all of us are. And I, when I say all of us, I, I just don't I don't mean the partners. Uh, Peter and Andrew, I mean, all of the LPs that have invested in our fund, we're all sort of truly grateful for kind of the success and luck that we've had over the years. And none, none of us take it lightly. Um, and, you know, one of my friends said, well, gee, Nick, if you call yourself humble, uh, that's like putting a giant target on your back. The first time you do something that's not humble, some, everybody's going to climb all over you. Yeah. And I say, and I, and I say, that's right. That's that's what we've elected to do. We we right. we want to try to live by that, stand by that, and be held up against that. It's a little tiny industry where everybody knows each other. If you do good things, people know. If you do bad things, people know. So um, we hope to fulfill our objectives of, of having a meaningful, important place in this industry and helping the people around us. And we 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 wear the hat uh, of the name that we've picked, and it's very intentional. <laughs>